Happy New Year's Eve. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, the TSP or Thrift Savings Plan explained, the updated rules around withdrawals from the TSP, and Joe and Big Al go over the rules around Roth conversions from TSPs. Plus, the fellas answer your questions about, what else? Roth conversions and contributions, age limits on making conversions, backdoor Roth conversions and RMDs, Roth contribution phase-outs and recharacterizations, and the pro rata rules. Plus, Joe will explain, once again, his distaste for fixed indexed annuities. And we'll find out why Big Al is called Big. As a reminder, rules for stretch IRAs, RMD withdrawals, and more are changing in 2020 thanks to the passage of the SECURE Act, which was passed after this episode was recorded. So to be sure that you have the most up-to-date information, download our SECURE Act guide from the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. I'm producer Andy Last, and here on the final day of 2019 are Joe Anderson CFP and Big Al Clopine CPA. We got Matt from Carlsbad, California. Awesome. Uh, Good morning. I guess he wrote this to us. In the uh, morning. Yeah, over breakfast. Yeah, right. He's got, um, I have a good sum of funds in my traditional TSP account, and a healthy part of this is tax exempt. Okay. I do not have a large amount in my Roth TSP. Should I move a percentage from my traditional to Roth? And if so, how much taxes percentage-wise should I expect to pay? Thanks. Okay, Alan, let's dissect this or try to decipher what Matt is talking about. Okay. So he's got funds in his TSP. For those of you that are not familiar with TSP, it's Thrift Savings Plan. Um, It's a 401k plan for government employees. So Matt's got a retirement account. He's got a healthy part that is tax exempt. So does that mean after tax money? Got basis? Nope. Okay, what does that mean? I, I have no idea. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you are the TSP expert between the two of us. I'm saying tax exempt in, in regards to the contributions were pre tax, is what I'm thinking. You know how people write things. Yeah, I know. And they... Just trying to understand what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> That's why I said let's try to decipher this. Yeah. Um, so a healthy part of this is t- tax exempt. Tax okay. exempt. But can you can you not put after tax money in a TSP? No. You can't. No. Impossible? It's, no, it's impossible. Okay. I coach on that? It, you have yeah, or like Roth, yes, you can uh, I'm sorry, not you're you're referring to after tax dollars that would still be taxable on the earnings coming out of the plan. Yes, that's what I'm referring to. Yes, and the answer is no. Okay. Can I put after-tax dollars in the Roth component of the uh, TSP? Yes. If they have a Roth component. They do. Yes, this one does, apparently. And he says he <laughs> well, does TSP, not have a large amount in it. The Thrift Savings Plan is a government plan. Is that, isn't that the state? or That's a federal, that's federal. federal plan? That's okay. federal. So, all right, one plan. So government plan has the Roth option. Yes. So when you put money in, you can either get a tax deduction. Yes. Right? Or you can not get a tax deduction by putting it in the Roth side. Correct. So he's saying a good healthy part of this is that pre-tax. It was tax-exempt from taxes as the contributions growing tax-deferred. Now it's going to be taxable coming out. But then he's like, man, I want some Roth stuff. Because yeah. if it was tax-exempt in the all-standard definition of tax-exempt, he wouldn't need to go into Roth because <laughs> the money would it's be already exempt taxes. Yeah. So well, he's just confused on some I terminology. I wonder if he's investing in municipal bonds. <laughs> you, would, you can't do that it would still, a TSP. It would still be ordinary income. Right. It doesn't matter. 
anything inside a retirement account is going to be coming out ordinary income unless it's a Roth. So he wants to convert. Um, here's a couple things, Matt. You cannot convert two things. You cannot do an inner plan conversion, so you cannot take your pre-tax and move it into the Roth component of the TSP. And you cannot even convert your TSP to a Roth IRA. You're going to have to move the money out into an IRA and then do the conversion. And you would have to be 59 and a half, right, to do that? I'm not sure if he's still working there. Oh, well, no, I suppose he is. Yeah, it, as an in-service withdrawal. Generally, well, you have to be 59 and a half, and I think that's how TSPs work. You or, don't know. or separated from service. Now, it's, you can do they, – they've changed the laws. They're a little bit more flexible in regards to what you can and cannot do with inside the TSP. Uh, before, if you wanted to take distributions, let's say I'm retired, I want to take fifty thousand dollars out of my, you know, retirement account per year. Yeah. Um, with an IRA, you can, you know, say, all right, well, here, give me two thousand one month, four thousand the next month. Don't give me anything the third month or whatever, right? Yeah. But TSP, you had one time and say, here's my election, and then you took your distribution, so you're kind of well, stuck with it. Now they said, okay, well, we can give you continuous distributions, but how they take the distributions is pro rata, so it still kind of stinks for so retirement you can, income. You can't, so, so let's say 10% of your, your dollars are in Roth, then it's going to be 10%, whatever distribution, 10% comes out as Roth? Or no, no, it's worse than that. Okay. You could say, I want 100% Roth or 100% pre-tax. Okay. But let's say you have um, 25% in the C fund, 25% in the G fund, 25% in the S fund and 25% in the I fund. Okay. You want $1 out, you're going to get a quarter on all of those different funds. Got it. So that's what that means. Pro rata via funds. Via I funds. can't say because let's say the you know the stock market's down, I want to take it from the government fund, the yeah. G fund, which is a fixed balance, it's going to be pro rata. So taking distributions from a TSP is is not very efficient. I don't want to blow up the TSP. I love the TSP because everyone says to love the TSP. Well, I, love... I mean, what, what are the advantages? They're low cost. Right? Oh, my God. It's free. Yeah. That's, that's it. That's pretty low. <laughs> yes. I mean, I think it, it, they basically pay you to hold money in the TSP. Uh, no, it's very, very inexpensive. I think, you know, they got five funds. They're index funds. And there's so much money in the thrift savings plan yeah. is that you've got the power of large numbers where, the, the, the you know, the expense ratios are minuscule. Got it. You know, you got a million dollar account in the thrift savings plan, you know, you're probably paying, I don't know, a couple hundred bucks a year, maybe. Right. Right? And so they kind of pound that into these people. Oh, don't. Because so many people that sell product will go after them. Yeah. You'd sell them a fat annuity. Yeah. High commission, high cost. High cost, high Right versus maybe going, hey, can I get some index funds that might be higher, a little bit higher cost, but at least you have a little bit more flexibility. Sure. The TSP doesn't let it stretch, you know, to the next generation. Uh, the wife can't, or, or the husband or the wife, the spouse, I should just say, they can't hold the TSP. That's kind of weird too, right? So let's say if you had a thrift savings plan, yeah. you were to pass away Annie, they'd be like, nope, get out of here. <laughs> so she would have. To move it into an IRA. Okay. If the kids, let's say, if Annie predeceased you and then now goes to the children, it doesn't allow a stretch, so they would have to put it into an inherited IRA. Um, so the TSP itself does not stretch; it would be fully distributed. So there's a lot of nuances that are not necessarily flexible, and I get it because it's free. Yeah. 
There's no help. Right. <laughs> right? Yes. They're not going to staff that thing up and say, here, here's your options, here's your choices, or whatever. Sure. It's all automated. They're going to make it very, very simple um, for them to, to administrate the plan. So hopefully that helped, Matt. We got Chris from Savannah, Georgia. Wow. Very beautiful place. That's exciting. We're all the way on the East Coast. Okay. Hi, Joe, Al, and Andy. I truly love listening to your podcast. Not, not just love. Truly true. This love. This is true love. This is great. Love you, Chris, from Savannah. Yes. Uh, thanks for everything you do. I just finished listening to the advice you gave Terry on episode 249. Of wow. course you remember Terry. Yes, right. In the break-even point for Roth conversions. Oh, sure. I remember talking about that. Yeah. And I was pretty convinced that we should start converting our traditional 401ks to Roths. Like Terry, we will have more than enough fixed income in retirement to live on, and it's hard to imagine a scenario where we would need to start tapping into our retirement funds before the MRD payment starts, or RMD is what we'd say, but mandatory required distribution or required minimum distribution. I'm 59 and have fully retired from both military and civilian service. Well, Chris, thank you very much for your service. I have just under $800,000 in the TSP. Again, TSP, Thrift Savings Plan. All traditional. My husband is still working, and we are doing backdoor Roths through Schwab. I know there are new rules for TSP withdrawals, but I'm wondering if those rules would allow me to make conversions without screwing up the ability to do backdoor Roth. This is the only non-Roth account that I have after having converted other accounts a few year, years ago in order to start the backdoor Roth. All right, very good, Terry. She's, yep. yeah, she's, she's on, she's no, on it. Chris. Yeah. I'm sorry, Chris. Yeah, Who the hell's Terry? She's uh, referring to the oh. question yeah. from well, 249. Yeah. Well, Terry, that's old news. <laughs> We're talking Chris. We're talking yeah. Chris. We like All Chris. Right. All right, so we make large charitable contributions every year in order to, oh, every, every other, other year. year. There we go. In order to bunch our deductions. So we're in a super low tax bracket those years, despite having a high enough AGI to require us to do a backdoor Roth. My <clears throat> husband's 401k is mostly traditional, but we have switched to Roth contributions over the years. Can we make conversions within his plan, or does that depend on the rules of the specific plan? My third option is to say, screw it not make any changes, and push all the RMD amounts to charity when we start receiving them and let the kids pay the taxes when we die. Well, that's definitely, well, geez, what it's, option? It depends on her mood <laughs> at the time. It depends on her mood at the time. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, whether the kids are acting nicely or not. Yeah. Or, you know. Andy, I live outside Savannah, Georgia. I just have a phone number from Virginia. Thanks so much, gang. Because we would probably said Chris from Virginia. Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. Right. If she hadn't told us. Oh, then she, she followed we'll up. Follow she up. goes, hey, Andy, just submitted a question about Roth conversions and TSP, and I realize that I refer to MRD instead of RMD. It's the same. Yeah, it's same, same. It. I it. asked a question a while back, and Al referred to me as savvy. Oh. Wow. How about that? Huh? Wow. She, she can't let that. I mean, no. that was probably years ago. She's like. <laughs> That's right. episode 248, at least, <laughs> or before. Oh, man. I hate to ruin his image by screwing this up. No, I still think you're savvy, Chris. Yeah, but I can imagine Joe having fun with it anyway. Yeah, <laughs> she does know us well. Love the humor and the advice. Just thought I'd clarify that um, I'm aware of my mistake. 
Well, she's savvy. She is savvy. Because well, MRD. Savvy Chris. M- MRD is the same thing as RMD. It's just Mandatory retired retirement distribution. Yeah, required minimum distribution, mandatory re- required, required distribution. distributions. Yeah. I learned something today. I'd never heard of MRDs. MRD. Yeah, some yeah. people say that. It's, it's perfectly acceptable. I noticed you translated it when you read it, just because we usually say yeah. RMD. R- RMD. Yeah, required mm-hmm. minimum distribution. But Savannah, Georgia, they say MRD. MRD. It rolls e- <laughs> it easier with rolls. the southern accent. You know, when you got that little roll. You know, by the way, that that's what we're talking about when you turn 70 and a half. You're required to start taking money out of your IRAs, your 401ks, your TSPs. So, I don't know, Chris. You might, after the, the, what we're going to tell you, you're probably going to say, screw it. <laughs> because you cannot do a conversion out of your TSP. No, but husband has a 401k. So, he could do an interplan conversion as long as it's. As long as it allows it. As long as the plan allows it. The law allows it, but does the plan allow it? I don't know. Yeah, but couldn't she, if she wanted to do a conversion, she could do an in-service withdrawal. Well, she's not even in-service. She can just do a, she can do a, I guess just a withdrawal to a... Um, what, a 60-day rollover and put it into a Roth and get taxed and then file all that BS? No. No. Well, she could do it. She could do it. Nope. A trustee to trustee transfer for a small amount and convert that. Okay, she could do that to an IRA to an and then IRA. convert it. That's yeah, that's what it I'm would have to go to an IRA first. So let's say yeah. she wanted to convert. You cannot go TSP to Roth. It would have to be. No, I understand. Right. So so let's just say she wanted to convert forty thousand. So she does trustee forty to trustee into trustee IRA, transfer, forty and then TSP convert to it. IRA, convert that, and then you still do your backdoor Roth. Yeah, and, but and it's all as long as everything's converted, she'd be fine. Yeah, if you if you. If you do the trustee to trustee transfer of eighty thousand and you keep forty thousand in the IRA, you've blown your your backdoor Roth. Yeah, but I, I think that's just too big of a hassle, because the backdoor Roth is just like a Roth contribution. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's gets so up in arms about these backdoor Roths. Just convert six thousand. It's the same thing, because it's already after tax. You right. already paid the tax. Well, and then going back. Does that make sense? I, I mean, people just get. Uh, I was gonna. Say a bad word, and I'm not going to say it. <laughs> but they get a, like a chub or happiness. <laughs> a chub. <laughs> wow. What, can we say you that? You actually said that. <laughs> About these backdoor Roths, but it's like, okay, well, I, I can't screw it up. It's not, it's the same thing. And, or am I missing something here, Alan? It's no, it's 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 roughly the same. But I think I think in this particular case, it's much easier to just if you want to do a Roth conversion, convert your husband's four hundred one k to the Roth if it allows it. Let's say she rolls her TSP into an IRA. Okay. Okay. Eight hundred thousand dollars is now in an IRA. So now Chris cannot do a backdoor Roth. Yeah. Okay. So what a backdoor Roth IRA is is that. You have seven thousand dollars in your checking account. It's already after tax. So let's say they're in the twenty-five percent tax bracket. They already paid twenty-five percent in tax on that money. It's free and clear from tax. They put it into an IRA, then they convert it into a Roth IRA. There's no tax due on the conversion because it's an after-tax contribution, right? Correct. But the money was already taxed. Yep. What's the difference if you take seven thousand dollars from a retirement account? In con- that was never been taxed, and you convert it into a Roth IRA. Well, there's no difference if you're in the same tax bracket today as you were 
when you paid tax on that six thousand dollars that right. you got. But let's and but and, it's the same year because they're doing a backdoor Roth, right? Because they 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 got the cat. Oh, unless she's saving say, dollars when she was. I'm, I'm working just, at I'm 12 saying, years old. I'm saying the $6,000 she already had. She already paid tax on that. I'm saying in another year. But a, a backdoor Roth, you're doing it the same year, aren't you? Yeah, but she already paid tax on that $6,000 potentially in a prior uh, yeah, year. Uh, but what I'm saying is that let's just say I did a $6,000 conversion each year. Sure. It's going to be the same tax effect, right? I mean, I mean, yeah, overall, over enough years. But see, the thing is, if you if you don't want to pay a tax on the six thousand this year because you're in a high bracket, you'd rather do the backdoor Roth, right? Yeah, that's okay. why. That's all. Very simple. <laughs> Chris, you're still savvy. My partner, on the other hand, <laughs> this needs some uh, help. I'm with you a hundred percent. But what I am stating here is that. If this were me, yeah, Chris is savvy. She knows her stuff. Yes, she does. Right, and so she's kind of taking a look at things. She's doing, you know, bunching up some some charitable stuff. So she's in. They're in really low tax brackets. So those are the years that she wants to do conversions, right? And maybe she wants to convert to the top of the twenty two or twenty four percent tax bracket. And to do that, it needs to go from IRA to Roth IRA. Sure. So roll the money into an IRA and just. Do the conversions whenever you want versus then doing from TSP, filling out all the paperwork, going through all that rigmarole, putting forty grand into an IRA, and then from an IRA converting it. Yeah, but if you have plenty of time and you want to want to be like do this exactly correctly in terms of the best benefit, then you kind of look at it the way she does. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, congratulations, Chris. Really appreciate your listenership. Um, I'm glad you find us humorous, and um, I think you're doing an awesome job. I've linked to our previous discussions of Roth conversions from a TSP and the changes to the TSP plan, including info straight from the horse's mouth, that is TSP.gov, as well as our brand new guide to the SECURE Act, which changes some of the rules regarding RMDs, or MRDs as the case may be, Chris, since now 72 is the new 70 and a half. Find all these free resources in the podcast show notes at Your Money, Your wealth.com. And if you would like more clarification or have a money question of your own, click Ask Joe and Big Al in the podcast show notes and send in your question as a voice message or an email. You can get to the podcast show notes just by clicking the link in the description of today's episode in your podcast app. Uh, back to the email bag. We got Rob from Santa Clarita. Isn't that where our buddy's from? Yes. All right. Near Statman. Near Statman. I'm going to get him back on the show just so you can. Just for that. Yeah. All right, dear Joe, Big Al, and Andy, I have a couple questions for you. Sometimes I just need to hear some of these answers in a different way or in a different context. Okay. All right. Here we By go. the way, you remember Rob, right? He's the guy that works in Hollywood. Oh yeah, is this, he? This, yeah, this is. He's a big fan of the show. How do you know that this is questions. the same Rob? Because. Because I know these things, Joe. Oh wow, she's like a. She's already been emailing back and forth. Uh, right. She's, totally. She's got a little eye in the sky. Yeah. And, she probably reached out to Rob. Rob, we're a little short this week. Yeah. We need another question. Yeah, because yeah, we're so short. Rob's in like a head and shoulders commercial. <laughs> Andy knows it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay, uh, so Rob, he's got uh, number one. Why would I ever put after-tax money into a 401k? Wow, that's direct. All right. Aren't, like all, aren't all your gains going to be taxed as ordinary income when you go to withdrawal? I understand that the gains are tax-deferred. 
But if you took that money and put it into a brokerage account and had it in my investment for over a year, it'd be taxed at capital gains. I would have more control over my investments, and I could use tax loss harvesting if I needed to, and the money is liquid without penalties. Is this especially true if we think that these tax cuts aren't permanent and I could end up going from 22% tax bracket to 35 with AMT? Look at Rob. Wow, Look you're, at the ru- big you're right brain on it. On Rob. Another, Somebody listens to this show. Another Jeez. savvy guy. Wow. But, Rob, you're missing one big, huge, fat point. Yes, you would absolutely fully want to put after-tax money into a 401k plan. But you do not want to leave it in the 401k plan for long. You would convert it directly to a Roth IRA as soon as you made the contributions. If, you, if your plan allows it. You could well, they're always at, you're, you're, after-tax dollars are available. It might take 30 days, but in most cases, I've seen it. It's readily available very, very quickly. So so let's say you put $20,000 after tax, Rob. Then you convert the $20,000 into a Roth IRA. So that's another $20,000 that you have in a Roth IRA that you never pay taxes on it because it's an after-tax contribution. Yeah, it's like a way to get a much bigger Roth contribution in, kind of using these rules. Yeah. So I get it. If that wasn't the case, then I would not want to put after-tax money into a retirement account either. Would you? No, it would, that's a. I agree with Rob. And that, and for that, ex- I mean, so this was what maybe two, three years ago, where the IRS came out and said, "Yeah, you can, uh, you can take the after-tax money and put it directly into a Roth IRA." Before that, remember the crazy yeah. stuff we were trying to do to work around that rule, right? Because of the step doctrine rule and all that. But IRS came out and said. In a in a letter ruling, uh, or even uh, I, or, law. I, I think it's law actually. Come yep. to think of it, that you can in a four hundred one k if you have after tax money, you can put that directly into a Roth IRA. Now you want to do it sooner rather than later because any earnings on that get taxed as ordinary <laughs> income. So Rob is right in that respect. So the sooner you can do this, the better. All right, he's got part two of his question. Okay, <clears throat> looks like he has four questions. To me. Jesus, Rob. Uh, can you explain the formula for the step down in Roth contributions if you're married and making between 193 and 203 of AGI? I looked it up on something like Investopedia or Morningstar and didn't, didn't seem, seem to, to add, add it up. up. Um, seemed like you can max out before you hit 203. Yeah, I, I can explain that. So, so what what he's referring to is when you are married, and if if you jointly make less than one hundred ninety three thousand dollars, we call that the modified adjusted gross income. You can do full Roth contributions, uh, and if you make more than that, it starts to get phased out. If you make more than two hundred three thousand, you can't make can't do any. And the the math is simply this: if it's a ten thousand dollar variance, which this is, and the amount that you can put into the Roth is um, what is it? 7,000? Yeah, 7,000 if you're over 50, let's just say. So then you just use that ratio, 7 tenths, right? And so basically the, the, the math, and I'll, I'll just do a real simple example. If you're halfway there between 193 and 193, 198, so you, you can do half of the 7,000. And just it's just pro rata if it's, if it's higher or lower. So, yeah, simple, simple. $198,000 modified adjusted gross income. So the maximum allowable contribution, let's say it's 7000 you can only put in 3500 bucks. Yeah, if you're if 198. Yeah, 198. Yep. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, yeah. 
So easy enough. And if you're somewhere, yeah, don't go to Investopedia, Rob. You know where to go. Go to your money. Your Y M Y W right here. Uh, just to clarify, yeah, I cannot recharacterize money that I converted into a Roth uh, from an IRA, but I just open a Roth. And I don't meet the income requirements by the end of the year. I still have it until April 15th of the following year to take it out, correct? And if so, what happens to any gains that I made? All right. Look at. So Rob's talking about recharacterizations now on contributions yeah. versus conversions. It's different rules on contributions. You actually still can recharacterize contributions. You just can't recharacterize conversions. And the reason for that is because the whole conversion. Um, I mean, the <clears throat> recharacterization law came about for contributions. Right. Because That's you, why it was there in the first place. That's why it was there in the first place. Well, so, there was another reason, because if your AGI was below above 100000 uh, you couldn't do a Roth conversion. Right. Yeah. So it was like, because the contribution limits were a lot higher than the conversion limits. Right. Because, what, 2010, they changed the law. So almost 10 years ago. So you had to have a modified adjusted gross income of under $100,000 to even do a conversion. And you wouldn't even know that until you file your return, but you had to do your conversion the year before. Correct. You had yeah. to do it in the year. So they had to allow you to undo it, which is how the recharacterizations came into being. So now you cannot uh, recharacterize a conversion, because, and the reason is there's no limitations There's no anyway, income limitations. Right? The IRS kind of let us have that free rule for <laughs> like nine years, years yeah. eight years, whatever <laughs> it was. But anyway, so a contribution, yeah, you can recharacterize that, because uh, you don't know at the time, potentially, when you made that contribution, if, you, if it sticks or not. If you do have gains in it, you have to pull that money out, too, and you have to pay ordinary income on that. That's just the way it works. So you put 6000 in. It's worth six thousand five hundred bucks. You recharacterize the six thousand. The five hundred comes out. That's taxable income. Taxable income. Uh huh. Exactly. <clears throat> because you just it is gotta, what it is. You got to plan a little bit smarter. Yes. Yeah. All right. And, and actually, you don't have to do a Roth contribution until Til April fifteenth of the following year. So why do it early if you're not sure if you're going to make it or not? All right. Number four. Um, if I do open up a non-deductible IRA and convert it. Using income that I made, in theory, I shouldn't have to pay any more taxes as long as there was enough money coming out of my paychecks to cover my income taxes, correct? Because I've already paid the taxes through my payroll deductions, right? Again, love your show and your sense of humor. <clears throat> so I don't understand his question here. Well, he said, uh, can I open a non-deductible IRA and convert it? Uh, yes. Yes, there's no tax. I think, I mean, that's, I guess, what he's getting I at. I shouldn't there. have to pay any more taxes as long as there was enough money coming out of my paychecks to cover Yeah, your regular in income taxes. Sure. In other words, a back, you're talking about a backdoor Roth. If you do it properly, there's no addition in taxes. So as long as you have enough withholding to cover your salary as far as taxes, you don't owe any more taxes. But according to Andy, he's an actor, so maybe he only made seven. No, he works in the film industry. Yeah, he's, he's a head and shoulders guy. Okay. He can cook <laughs> you up with Charlie's Theron. Oh, that's right. All right. All right. Thanks for the questions, Rob. Uh, hopefully that clarifies some things. Susan from San Diego, she writes in, Alan. Yeah. Specifically for you. Yeah. Hi, Al. Hey, Al. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you regarding my in-laws. Wow. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, yeah. Nothing some, about taxes. There's some money there. Hey, so I got some in-laws. I would like you to take care of them. They have a good amount of money in a 401k. Okay. They would like to figure out a way to save on taxes when their sons benefit from their trust. Okay. They are in their early 80s and would like to convert it to a Roth 
but it looks like you can't do it after 80. Do you have any suggestions for them? Well, Cindy, since you're so nicely. Susan. Susan, Susan what did I say? Cindy. I said Susie. <laughs> God, whatever. Al, I'm sorry. We've got that on tape. Yeah, you're pretty tight. Whatever. Anyway, Susan, since you asked so nicely, there is no age limitation on doing Roth conversions. So your in-laws can do Roth conversions. And I'll tell you what, if they uh, don't need the money and they are going to be in a lower tax bracket than their sons, then it would make sense for them to go ahead and convert it to a Roth. And then when eventually... Uh, when their sons inherit the money, uh, it's the taxes is already paid. So there, there's no limitation on age to do a Roth conversion. Where would Susan possibly get that idea? Not, I don't know. not sure. Where did what's his name get the idea that most of his TSP contributions were tax exempt? Got anything to add? I would look at in-laws tax return. Yep. Right? Look at the tax. Eighty bracket. years old, big amount of 401k plan. What do you think? They probably have pensions. Right? Could, it, it I bet be, they haven't touched the 401k plan, o- o- only besides required the required distributions, distributions yeah. right? or mandatory required distributions. So, sometimes, Joe, what happens when parents get older, they go to nursing homes or long-term care facilities, which generally are fully deductible as medical expenses. So whatever income they have, they've got more deductions than income. They end up with negative taxable income. Then they're in a perfect situation to do conversions because they're in very low brackets. Maybe even some of it's tax-free. Yeah, all and you got to do is just get the in-laws in a nursing home. <laughs> I'm just saying if they, <laughs> they are. Got gi- then they get giant deductions. And then you do fat conversions, and then hopefully, you know, you inherit the money soon after that. <laughs> <laughs> or it's already there for them if they need it, right? Yeah, I think this strategy is missed often. Right. Mom and dad have some money in retirement accounts. We're going to inherit it. They're not spending it. And they're probably not doing any type of financial plan. We don't get that many 85-year-olds in here. You know, recently we, though, I mean, there's a, a, some older clients have, have come in, which has been nice. Because then there's cool strategies that you can potentially yeah. do just like this. Sure. So, yeah, convert mom and dad's retirement account. A lot of times we would say have the kids pay the tax yeah. because they're going to inherit a tax-free asset that right now will continue to grow tax-free, and they'll just have to take a required distribution based on their Yeah, and, and sometimes we have the parents, they got big, fat pension plans, they saved a lot, they got a lot of money in 401ks or whatever. Yep. Their kids are deadbeats, so it's like they're in high tax brackets, the kids are in low tax brackets. So no, that would be the opposite. In that case, you would not convert. Right. So it just depends. Parents' tax brackets versus kids, if in fact they don't really need the money. Okay, we got Dora. Um, Dora the Explorer. Boston. Boston, Massachusetts. I like Boston. Hi, Joe and Big Al. I recently discovered this awesome podcast and love it. Boom. Thank you, Dora. (laughs) Uh, Thank you for putting on such an informative program. All right. I have a Roth conversion question. Imagine that. Okay. In (laughs) February. Oh, God, I'm losing my Here we go. In February of this year. I had converted my traditional non-deductible IRA to Roth IRA, backdoor conversion. Okay? Uh, The traditional IRA at the time was the only traditional IRA with any value. After the conversion, I had no other value left in my IRA. Since this IRA was funded with non-deductible funds, this conversion should result in very little tax consequences. I am also retired now, so would like to take advantage of this small window of opportunity to do more Roth conversions before RMDs kick in. I decided to do 
a rollover of a portion of my 401k to a traditional IRA with plans of doing a partial conversion to Roth IRA over the next few years. If I do another conversion for this year, will this affect my first conversion that was done in February? I.e., will the pro rata rule apply as now I have an outstanding value in a traditional IRA? I'm thinking the pro rata rule should not apply, but wanted a second opinion. Looking forward to hearing your answer. Keep up the great job, and thanks again. Adora, you're not going to like the answer. <laughs> yes, the pro rata rule does apply. It's the balance of the IRA at the end of the year. Yeah, that doesn't that's never seemed quite fair to me because you do the conversion properly, right? And then all of a sudden later on, you, can't, you roll this money out, and it blows the whole thing up. Right, so you got to be careful. It, you're right. It's it's the it's your IRA balances at year end that control what the conversion pro rata rule looks like the rest of the year. So earlier. you do a conversion in February. You didn't have right. So she put money into an IRA. Yeah. There was yeah. no other IRA. She converted it. She's all good. And then now December, she's like, you know what? I want to do a little bit more of that conversion. Yeah, right. I got the. Now, got the here, bug. Here's a workaround. You could take what you rolled into the IRA and roll it back roll into your roll 401k. It back into the 401k as long as it's not there by year end. Yeah. How about that? Get rid of it. Get it back into the 401k plan and you'll be fine. Yeah. So or convert it all. Strange rules, but that's <laughs> that's the yeah, convert the whole thing. Yeah. That, that'd be the other approach. Yeah, then then you'll be all right. Now then you'll blow up your tax bracket. Yeah. Because you know what we used to do back in the day? Um is that we used to do double Roth IRA conversions when there was the recharacterization rule. Yeah. So before, when you did a Roth IRA conversion, you moved money from a traditional IRA to a Roth, you had the opportunity to move it back into the IRA if you didn't want to keep the conversion. Yeah. Or if you made a mistake, like all, Dora all, did here. Yeah, all the way till October <laughs> of the following year, as, right. as a matter of fact. So let's say we did two Roth conversions. And then so now that money was out of the account. So let's say it was a $100,000 conversion, but we would convert two of them. Yeah. And then we would invest them differently. One would be fairly safe. One would be fairly aggressive. So the person would have $200,000. We would see which um, Roth performed the best. We would keep that one and recharacterize the other one. It was a great strategy. Brilliant. It worked, it worked for like eight, eight years, eight or nine years. But what happened, though, is what we found is that let's say if someone was 70 and a half and taking required minimum distributions, and then you did the conversion, so $200,000 was out of the IRA, right? And so we were like, hey, well, can we take the RMD based on the account value, right? right? Uh, but and then that didn't work either. The answer's no. It, it's, it has to be anticipated the recharacterizations back in. So it got complicated. It did get complicated. It got very complicated, and now with the SECURE Act going into effect at the start of the year, strategizing your retirement is even a little more complicated. Roth conversion strategies may play an even bigger part in your plans. So let's face it, YMYW is a great resource for general information about planning for retirement, and while I have posted links to download our SECURE Act guide and Roth IRA basics guide in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com, for time-sensitive decisions and strategies that are specific to you, your life, and your circumstances, the best thing you can do to start 2020 on a good financial foot is to make an appointment with a qualified financial advisor, preferably a certified financial planner who is a fee-only fiduciary. That means that they are legally required to act in your best financial interests. To sign up for a two-meeting financial assessment with one of our certified financial planners here at Pure Financial Advisors, either in person or via video web meeting, click the the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Now we've got time for just a couple more questions on the podcast before the end of 2019. Let's go to Stuart from San Diego. Okay. 
Hi, Andy, Al, Joe. Love your show. In capital letters, love your show. Love. Exclamation point. I actually prefer to read the podcast tran- transcripts. Because she can't understand the thing we say. <laughs> Stuart is a male. Would you agree with that? I, I don't know. Keep reading. I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever met a female steward? You know an Andy. I, uh, this is this is the this is the 2019s. Anything's possible. Uh, he reads the transcripts because he just can't stand to hear my voice. So, so how many? <laughs> How many guys put love in capital letters? Well, people that love <laughs> finance. Now does Stuart put my name first, so yes. maybe that's why he said love your show. Yes, he loves Andy. Um, background, 50-year-old, married, desire to retire in 10 years. Didn't get to earn income until age 30 due to extensive education. Stuart's very educated. 401k was burned badly. By the last decade of investing, 1998 to 2008, essentially got zero net return during those 10 years because you were just in the S&P 500, guaranteed. Yeah, should have had international funds. Yep, you should have been globally diversified, but that's spilled milk. Predictably got conservative, so now have majority of 401k getting 3.5% returns in CDs, which I'm fine with because the 401k will grow um, to $2 million in 10 years when I'm 60. Wow, good for you, Stuart. Wife and I make just too much to contribute to a Roth and seeking safety for accumulation again this time with after-tax savings. Six months ago, purchased a $250,000 fixed-indexed annuity. Here we go. Here we go. Let's see if you can get Joe worked up. Let's go, Stuart. With a A to AA rated company. I know that from previous shows and podcasts. In general, you guys don't favor these products, but I think I got a decent one. Of course you did, Stuart. No fees, no guaranteed income rider, the usual 10% free withdrawal if necessary, the first 10 years, 25% benefit-based bonus. Wow! 175% interest credit applied percentage, no caps, no spreads. Allocations in four um, indexes with participation rates of 50, 85, 90, and 130. So far, it's keeping pace with or outperforming up 5.6%. The S&P 500 index up 2.7% since I purchased it six months ago. In other words, I'm okay losing a point off in index gains each positive year, see the participation rates, they average 90%, so that I essentially have no chance of losing anything in negative years. You know, a very small cost of doing business in order to provide me safety and accumulation so I can sleep at night. All right, how much time we got here? My plan is to continue to purchase what I think high-quality fixed-index annuities with after-tax savings for the next 10 years. Will continue to max fund the 401k <coughs> when I retire in 10 years. My grand retirement plan is to keep half my money in fixed indexed annuities and the other half in index funds, <coughs> gradually converting the 401k to a Roth, uh, most likely. 
my retirement income plan when the market is up. Uh, then I'll take the profits from the index funds and let the FIAs grow. When the market is down, I will let the index funds recover while taking withdrawals from the FIAs. This is this will minimize losses from my retirement portfolio in down years while getting excellent combined returns in up years, all while 50% of it is still safe accumulating during retirement. What do you think, fellas? The math is pretty simple, and I've run the numbers several times. It works even in historically bad time frames, the Great Depression, Great Recession, lost de- decade, with a slightly mathematical advantage. It works better than the usual retirement portfolio makes up. Stocks, bonds, CDs, letters, etc. Love your show. Andy, Al, Joe, keep fighting the good fight. Okay, I got a few comments here for Stuart. Stuart, the fixed indexed annuity is a it's not a good one. Why? Because there is no such thing. As a good fixed indexed annuity? <laughs> yes, there's yes. no such thing as a good fixed no, indexed there's annuity. A, there, there, you, uh, then buy a fixed annuity. The problem is this. Okay, so how a fixed indexed annuity works is it is sold that you can receive market participation with no downside risk. Okay? That sounds good. One of the p- p- part of that is true. He will never lose a dime in this product, right? It's guaranteed by the insurer, by the AA or A-rated. You should go with AAA too, Stuart. Um, rated company. So, he, but he's saying I'm fine with giving up a point to keep my safety. It's going to be a lot more than a point because the underlying product is that they are buying bonds. The insurance company is buying a bond. It's either a long-term zero-coupon bond, right, or it's a long-term government bond or whatever. Who knows whatever's in that portfolio of the insurance company. So he's invested in bonds. Then they're buying call options on the S&P 500 index or the Russell 2000, or he said he's got four different indexes here that he can choose from, right? So there's a bond yield that he's going to receive plus the call option. If the market goes down, they're not going to exercise the option. If it goes up, they'll exercise the, It's a derivative, okay? What he's missing is that there is no dividends involved in any of his payment, right? It's an option, That's what he's receiving. There's a cost to the option. As markets get volatile, do you think option pricing gets more expensive or cheaper? It gets more expensive. So that spread is going to increase. And insurance companies realize this. So each year, they can change their spread. They can change their um, caps. They can change their participation rates. So what a, what a participation rate is, is that you can only, let's say the market does 10%, you have an 80% participation rate, 8% is what you're going to get, plus they put caps on top of it. Then they'll say you can only receive 2% per month, but let's say the market does 8% in one month, you get capped out, you only get the 2 So there's so many different things that they have to look at. So they backtest the hell out of them. If you backtest it in bad years, of course it's going to look good because you don't lose a dime. And then the market's losing its ass and it takes forever for the market to catch up. You can build these things and make them look like a, a beautiful sunshine. But it's not. It's not at all. 
You have to understand the product before you get into it, and you're going to put half your money. You're going to have $2 million. You're going to make this person rich. Plus, you got 25% bonus. This whole thing sounds like horse manure. Sorry, I don't think he loves the show anymore. <laughs> That's the last question we get from him. Right? you gotta, you got to understand the product moving forward. The back testing, the numbers that you're running, and everything else doesn't mean anything because they consistently change the product on you depending on the environment of the market. Just realize you are buying a bond with an option on it. And then sometimes they will then sell a put on that same option to make money to cover it. It's a complex derivative that they're investing in. And so you, if, if you don't understand anything that I just said, get out of the product. All right, we got to go. We got to take a break. Or we no, gotta get there. We're done. We're done. We're, we're done. Stuart, thank you so much for listening to the show. Hopefully, I didn't um, deter you too much from our show, but hopefully, I deterred you from your strategy. All right, uh, Peter um, from San Diego. Um, he goes, an off the cuff question. Big Al is a vegan. I didn't know you were a vegan. Did yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Man, you got a short memory. <laughs> Who are not known? That's because he's in his mid late forties. Got to soon. Who are not known for high caloric intake? It doesn't appear big. <laughs> Joe actually appears a bit stockier from the pictures. Ooh, but it could be the lighting. <laughs> what the hell does that mean, Peter? Stockier? Do you mean that I'm fat? I'm six four. I weigh two hundred and seventeen pounds. What's your BMI? Um, I have like fourteen percent body fat. No, no, your your body mass index. I have no clue. I bet it's I bet it's over twenty four and a half, which means you're overweight. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> so why does Al have the big handle in that Joe? I'm sure other curious listeners would like to know. Uh, thanks and happy holidays. Uh, well, Peter, uh, there's a very good reason um, that what is big the Al is um, called Big Al. <clears throat> What's, what's the reason, in your opinion? Uh, well, it's not my opinion. Who came, I get, who came up with Big Al? His wife. Yeah. And that's all that needs to be said. <laughs> I, I used that at a seminar. It didn't go over well. <laughs> what? Next, oh, that was so awful when he did that. You, can, you can't tell that joke for yourself, Alan. Well, I learned. And then people wrote in comments, are like, that pervert. I didn't, I didn't understand how to do comedy yet. <laughs> but I, I will tell you the real answer if you want to know. The real answer is we had a a, a, a it was a, a picnic you know a, what what do they call that a that's uh, called a picnic <laughs> where they have a basket no where we get together in the front yard like, like I don't know whatever and he, all the neighbors got together and there was block a party? barbecue yeah there's a name for it block party block party thank you see you you didn't even know you said block party he goes no there's a name for no, it no he was saying no to you oh, he was ignoring I was, me got it. I didn't I can only hear one at a time I am. Older, by the way. <laughs> Got it. Um, so anyway, so so at this block party, we had a, a neighbor who's no longer there, but we had a neighbor at the time who was named Albert, also known as Al, and he was about your height, six four, much bigger. And as a joke, Ann started referring to me as Big Al because, you know, he was actually the big one. You know, some big guys are named Tiny. Yeah. So I'm. So we're gonna start calling Joe. I I am a Tiny Anderson. I am a fit vegan, but I still have the name Big Al. So uh, Peter's called me a fat ass. <laughs> he just said you're a bit stocky. Stockier, stockier, short and stocky. I'm six four, lean, mean, fighting machine. So we'll we'll compute your BMI index uh, for the next show next year. That'll and, be part of your uh, New Year's resolution. I guess so. <laughs> I'll let you know where you stand. Yeah, I used to be fat. 
Remember Fat Joe? I do remember. You're that's when we started I've the company. I've seen video. It was shocking. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> I... It was, um, you know, when you're working 90 hours a week, yeah, and then right. you do, you know, you drink a couple Coors lattes on the weekend, yes, and you don't work out, and you become a little bit overweight. So now you work Stucky. out and, and you eat better. Yeah, I work out six days a week. I play some golf, and um, I still do. drink those Coors lattes. Yes. Well, 2019 has been one heck of a year for us at Your Money, Your Wealth. We it really has. appreciate um, all of you. Hanging out with us, listening to us, having fun with us, giving us your your comments and questions and um, suggestions, right? And a few complaints. Yeah, we've got some. Yeah, I don't mind complaints. No, it I, only I don't makes either. us better. Yeah, or keeps us sharp, or just gives us something to talk about. <laughs> That's the main reason. So sometimes we we are hurting for content. Yeah. <laughs> Because we like to complain about your complaints. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what does this guy know? <laughs> uh, Happy yes. New Year. Happy New Year. All right, we'll see you next year, folks. Show's got your money well. For our New Year's resolutions, I think we'll resolve to keep giving you the best personal finance and retirement podcast we possibly can each week. And in return, we would love it if you would keep sharing the show with your friends, family, neighbors, acquaintances. Your Money, Your Wealth is on all the usual podcast apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher, as well as Spotify, Pandora, and YouTube. Or you can subscribe to our podcast newsletter and get a link to the show delivered right to your email inbox each week. Thank you so much for being the most important part of the YMYW podcast. Ask your questions for 2020, financial or otherwise, by clicking the Ask Joe and Big Al on air button in the podcast show notes at yourmoneyyourwealth.com. Your Money, Your Wealth is presented by Pure Financial Advisors. Click the free assessment button at yourmoneyyourwealth.com to sign up for a totally free two-meeting financial assessment, either in person or via web meeting with a certified financial planner from Pure. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. And that is the last disclosure of 2019. And with that, we will talk to you again in 2020. Happy New Year, friends.